Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Joining me today on location at the NAMM Show in Anaheim, California, my guest is a singer, songwriter, and guitarist from the New York City area. Before the pandemic, she was playing 8 to 10 shows each week, including notable venues such as Rockwood Music Hall and The Bitter End. She was named a Sam Ash Music Store Spotlight Artist and just this year became a part of the Yamaha Guitar Ambassador Program. She released a six-song EP on International Women's Day last year to critical acclaim. You've been hearing a song of hers called Jack Honey. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Karen Bella. Hello. Hi, Karen. Hi. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks ever so much for making time to sit and talk with me today. Before we dive into all that you're doing, all that you have done, share with the audience first all about the song of yours that was just playing called Jack Honey. All right, Jack Honey is a song about um, being in love with someone and then losing them um, and realizing that you you don't want to lose them. Like, they represent the... They represent the side of you that is kind of like, um, how would I explain it? Like that it's uh, a little dangerous, but fun, but not a bad danger. And you want, you want a piece of them. You don't want to let them go. Um, and personally, for me, Jack Honey, the actual whiskey from Jack Daniels, even though I don't mention Jack Daniels in the song, uh, the the person who inspired me to write it, he introduced me to that drink. Ah. And so I associate it with him. And uh, and it, it's a fun song. It's a song of, of hope and want and desire. Yeah. You wrote it by yourself? Yes. Do you always write by yourself? I do usually write by myself. Uh, here and there I might co-write. Okay, okay. Well, on your YouTube channel, you have a fully produced music video for Jack Honey. Talk about making that. Did you do it yourself? Did you have a full crew? Take us behind the scenes, so to speak. Oh, well, um, I actually worked with James Callahan, uh, his company's Camp Rattler, and the whole crew and everyone that worked on that video was absolutely professional, and they worked on the story with me. First, um, they came up with the idea and the concept of the song, what they thought it should be. And I thought about it and I said, well, what if we do this instead and what if we do that? And they were like, yeah, that's cool. And what was really wonderful about working with James and his entire crew was that they actually wanted to listen to my recommendations mm-hmm. and suggestions and they took me seriously. They didn't go like, oh yeah, whatever. No, we know better. They were just like, no, we want to make this with you and we want you to be happy. 
Do you ever, when you're writing a song, already start to visualize what a music video might look like for it? Is that maybe how you went into that, or was it, no, we just kind of started with a clean slate? No, I, I usually don't have visuals like that when I write. Only sometimes um, when I'm listening to it uh, during, you know, produ- producing it or, or um, recording, I mean. And um, what what I really, with anything, when I'm writing, it I, I see, I see images of sound in my head I don't know how else to explain it mm. like I see colors in my head and sound and emotions mm. that that's how I can explain it but I don't actually see like a bar and this happens okay. and then that happens um, but if someone goes hey if you would think of a concept for a video for this song what would what's an idea that would pop in your mind that then you I would do. think yeah yeah, yeah. So was there any thought to contacting Jack Daniels and saying, hey, this is a song I did, just thought you might want to check it out? Oh, my, my PR lady um, uh, from DMK Publicity, she, uh, Denise, she, she's been working on that, and we're trying to get the attention of Jack Daniels. I hope, I hope that they respond, and, um, and I'll keep trying. We'll keep trying. So speaking of videos, you also submitted a video to the NPR Tiny Desk Contest. Tell the audience about the whole submission process, what all that entails. All right. So um, I believe that was done in 2019. And I was um, I included good musician friends of mine, Alex Light and Mark Rouser, to do the video with me. And I had bronchitis when I made that mm. video, by the way. But I, I was determined to do it. And when you have a goal, you just go for it 100%, no matter what. I don't care if my lungs are falling out. I'm going to be doing this video. So I made it. And um, I, it was a very easy uh, submission. It's, it was very clear and to the point on the web page. And I sent it in, not expecting anything. I just did it to do it. Because I believe the more you do, no matter if you don't get any results, eventually you will. Mm. You know, persistence is key. So I submitted it. And it, it wasn't chosen, but that's okay because it's out there. It, I, I kind of was waiting for you to say that you just keep doing these things because you're going to learn something along the way. And that too. But NPR Tiny Desk, just explain to folks, I mean, this is like nation, nationwide. This is massive that there's probably who knows how many people. National Public Radio. Yeah, they they make this contest every year, and if you do get chosen, or if they if you light light up a spark in their eyes and ears, you never know who would be interested and invite you to do a live performance at the NPR studios. Um, it, it's a really great opportunity to do, and the fact that you even submit a video to them, that I I think that's a big deal. But. It- clarify for me so you were making a video just for that it wasn't uh, let's just send them the video that we already did of my yeah, such and such just song. for that and you had to have a tiny desk in the video the entire time that's the concept mm-hmm. the concept but you didn't create an original song just for it it was no. you picked one of your original mm-hmm. songs that you already had and say okay let's do a video for it yeah i picked um i felt that uh, if i chose the most commercial song that i had that that would be most uh, fitting so this is fitting that I ask you the following at this time in the interview because you just talked about that you had bronchitis at the time and if my mm-hmm. lungs were falling out, I still would have done it. In the last two or so years, you caught COVID three times, mm-hmm. broke your wrist, delayed yeah. the release of your newest EP, which we will talk about in just a moment. But first, just talk about those health challenges and having to work through them to try to keep something resembling progress going with, with new music. Or, or are you going to tell me, as I personally experienced when I had COVID, 
that you suffered through a period of where you just had no enthusiasm to do anything at all, period? Uh, well, um, the first time I caught COVID was December of 2020, mm-hmm. and it was an extremely mild case, and it was the mo- it was the weirdest experience I've ever had. I can't explain it anything other than every day was something new, mm. and it felt like there was something crawling on inside of me slowly trying to destroy me. Uh, I It took me five months to recover because I didn't feel like myself just ter- taking Whoa. what I call... Um, <laughs> And, you know, and I mean this in the most respectful way, like geriatric naps. You know, I take like two hour naps in the afternoon. And, and so what I did was I, I changed my entire eating lifestyle. I took a lot of vitamins. I did a lot of acupuncture and I started working out and I took care of myself. And everything combined together helped me become myself only to catch it again in June. Of but, but in those five months, music was completely pushed to the side, I'm guessing. No, no, no. I started performing back again in June of 2020. Wow. Yeah. So you caught it again. Yeah, in, in around June of 2021. And then again in uh, December of 2021. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And they were different every time. Different experience. But you are, for all intents and purposes, a DIY artist, yes? Mm-hmm. And so, as I was saying in there, you know, somehow you still have to find a way to try to push through that because you go, music is what I do, and I can't not do music because I have COVID, which is, like I said, is very challenging because I know when I had it, I didn't want to do anything at all. I, sleeping was, was enjoyable, but I had no enthusiasm to do anything. And when it's, you know, this is what I do, I have to do music. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of musicians in the past have done shows with flus and lung infections so being someone who's asthmatic and I was born with it I'm used to having problems with my lungs mm. so I've always done shows with, wow. with issues wow um so for so you know I I was doing shows when I had COVID when I didn't know I had it I was like oh what's wrong with me I'm like I couldn't catch this again I see, I see. You know? wow and then I would get tested and lo and behold Lightning struck struck not only twice in the same place, but three yes. times. Mm. Thrice. <laughs> so I did mention in the intro that you released a self-titled EP on International Women's Day in March of 2021 to critical acclaim. It spent two months on the top 40 charts for the International Folk Alliance Folk DJ charts. Yes. Tell the listeners about putting that EP together, song selection, who you worked with on it, where mm-hmm. was it recorded? How long it all took? All those types of details. Absolutely. Originally, it was released March 13th, the day after my birthday um, in 2020. And then, you know, New York shut down the next day. And, um, and you know, and the rest is history. And so then I decided to re-release it in 2021 and give it the promotion it deserved. Uh, without a release show, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I... I worked with um, unbelievable musicians. I met my producer, Josh Dion, at a jam in Westchester, New York. And um, originally I hired him to play drums, and then I realized he was naturally producing it. And I'm like, you're a producer. Now, Josh is a drummer, and, and he plays the synth bass and sings at the same time, and he's amazing, and he's in a band called Paris Monster. But anyway, so I worked with him, and... We recorded at Grand Street Studios in Williamsburg, New York, and uh, the engineer 
is um, Jake Loomis, and he's he's Grammy nominated and just one of the most patient, laid back, coolest guys ever. And he he brought so much to the table, and so many wonderful musicians worked on this record, like Teddy Kumpel, who's huge in in what he does. Um, he comes in um, and just brings all his talent in every session that he did. And he comes to NAMM a lot, too. Not this year. Uh, I believe, he, yeah, he's on tour right now with Joe Jackson, mm. which is really cool. Wow. And he's in San Francisco. I sent him a text just before saying, hello from Los Angeles to San Francisco. <laughs> but he's, he's, a, he's a huge deal. And, um, and, I, I, and a lot of the, the people who worked on this record, they became good friends of mine. You said I met Josh at a gym. At a jam. Oh, a jam. Yeah. Okay. I was no, we say, were not. Wor- we were that, not working out in the same gym. <laughs> we were, we met at a jam. <laughs> but still, though, you know, there still has to be something that connects when you're in a jam session where you go, "I really like this person. I want to follow up with them and stay in touch." And so, how do you go from meeting someone at a jam to like, let's actually collaborate? Like, this was fun, but let's not let this be the last time we see each other. Um. The only way that I can explain it is the moment I met him, I was like, who is this person? Because I didn't know who he was. I wasn't familiar with his work. And there was just this energy about him that I couldn't explain and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I said to myself, you got to figure out a way to be in this guy's circle and it everything just fell into place so organically and rather quickly but do some hand holding for me and the audience everything fell in so organically and so quickly meaning meaning was um, it was like it, there I, was I, it was I texted it was him the next day yeah was it? it was the next day he reached out and and um and then i think like a few days later i was like hey do, do you do studio sessions i'm looking for a drummer for a couple of songs and he's like yeah sure and it just happened. It was like one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Was there ever any doubt in terms of it's not supposed to be this fast, this easy, or was that validation like I got the right guy for the job? There was no doubt in my mind. I just knew. I can't, It's like the same way that you know that, you know, your your car is in your driveway. <laughs> or what you would hope, right? <laughs> So talk to me then about your songwriting process in terms of, you know, I interviewed someone recently when I said, you know, how do you know that your song is really done? How do you just walk away from it and move on to the next one? So with you, you know, where do you start? Where do you do you do you like to come up with a melody first? Is it I just have a hook? Is it everyone is every song is different? Walk us through what the songwriting process looks like for you. Um, Sometimes it's uh, like I'm a fax machine. And I'm just sitting there, and and an idea comes into my head. Uh, one of my songs, Indio, that's exactly how it happened. I was sitting in my living room, and all of a sudden this idea came into my head that was like, today I want to go to Indio. And I'm like, what is Indio? What the <laughs> heck is that? And I looked it up and I saw it was actually like the city of festivals in California. And I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. And I, I wrote this song. It just that happened rather organically. And um, and then sometimes it comes from a dream. Uh, a lot of times it comes from heavy, heavy emotional things that happen. And I'll be so lost in the emotions that I need to release it somehow mm-hmm. and make it a cathartic experience and next thing I know the song is there 
I have all kinds of follow-up questions to sure. everything you just said. So are you constantly writing all the time or is it no I'm when I'm writing it's because I know that I need to get an EP or an album out and then well go ahead and answer that first I'm not always writing I used to write a lot all the time and um, now I only write when I when I really feel I need to get something down when I just sit down and try to write it it doesn't work for me there are some writers that they say write every day even if it's gobbledygook and I I'm I'm different you know I'm march to the beat of my own drum and I think that for every artist it's a different process nobody is the same like a snowflake do you have a preference like I love writing lyrics I know I have to come up with a melody but my preference is I really or is it it's all the same to me I love doing both I've also had experience in the past and and recent past co-writing. And co-writing is a different thing because you're working with somebody else and you have to learn to put your your ego aside and keep it in check and allow, if someone is getting inspired, give them the space to do what they want to do and see if maybe your ideas can guide them into a certain direction. Or sometimes in the past I've received melodies from someone and they're like add lyrics to it and it worked uh it's it's a different experience every time but i introduced you as being a singer songwriter and guitar player so Mm -hmm. i'm assuming that you always only write on guitar is that the case because if so i wonder you know does co-writing open itself up to ooh, this person plays piano and so we're gonna write yeah oh yeah sorry i didn't mean to talk over you yes i i do play the piano as well and Ah. i also write songs on the piano and i've written a couple songs on the ukulele as well Oh, mm-hmm. wow. And so as these songs are being downloaded to you, mm-hmm. like a fax machine, as you said before, how are you deciding I'm going to write this on piano versus I'm going to write this on guitar? That's so funny you ask that. Usually I know uh, I'm playing around on the piano and then that happens and, and I okay. start picking up on whatever I'm feeling. And, and I always feel like when I write, it's like a co-write because you're writing with wherever it's coming from, right? Um, There was one time that I started writing a song on the guitar and it wasn't going anywhere. So then I started playing around with that song on the piano and that's where it fit. Mm, Wow, so cool, Mm -hmm. so cool. And I love that you said that you're co-writing it with whatever the source is that's bringing Mm -hmm. the song to you. Yeah, I don't want to give it a name. I I like to keep things open because everybody has um, their name for it. You know, some people say it's like their muse, their their spirit guide. Some people, you know, I, whatever you may think. So I just say wherever it comes from. But let's just clarify something that you said, though. You said, no, I'm not one of those people that's always writing. But at the same time, are you someone that always has your phone with you? And if some little something comes to you, you'll just make a voice note and come back to it a week, a month, two months later? Yes. And that could be a melody, that could mm-hmm. be a lyric idea, that could be a title, that could be a hook. Any and all of the above is fair game. Absolutely. How does that go, though, when you come back to your phone months later and listen to it and go, what the heck was I thinking about that day when I spoke mm-hmm. that line? Well, sometimes it sounds like a mess. Um, <laughs> a lot of ideas I haven't listened to after recording it, which is, you know, shame on me. But when I do go, the reason why I do go back to something is because it's obsessively playing in my head. Mm. Um, 
but that's how I work with a lot of things with music I can listen to the same song over and over and over and over again for like a, a week a month because it it feeds something to me and I don't know what it is or it affects me somehow or inspires me somehow so it's the same thing with writing if I'm getting an idea and it's constantly playing in my head I then I know I have to do something yeah, with it yeah no doubt no doubt I'm joined today on location at the NAMM show in Anaheim, California, by singer, songwriter, guitarist Karen Bella. Visit her official website at karenbella.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. On her site, you will see links to Karen's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok accounts. Also, you will find links to listen to her music on Spotify and SoundCloud, but instead, support Karen by purchasing her music from iTunes, Amazon, or Bandcamp. You can also see her upcoming shows. As this month comes to a close, she will have had more than 20 performances in June alone. Again, though, that is all at KarenBella.com. Karen, you are a Sam Ash Music Store Spotlight Artist, an official Fishman-endorsed artist since 2019, and part of the Yamaha Guitar Ambassador Program. How are you getting all these opportunities, and in what ways have these been helpful for you? Well, I'm so grateful for all those things. Just hearing you say that is like, really? <laughs> Who is wow. he talking about? Yeah. Why did he stop the interview and start talking about someone else? <laughs> exactly. So in 2019, I got a phone call um, from the Sam Ash uh, band am- uh, music ambassador uh, who's uh, helping run the program, and she told me that someone recommended me to them and I was like I'm not going to question it okay great (laughs) and that was a really cool experience because there were some perks to that some promoting on their end and um and then and and a very nice discount at their stores and and some other stuff and then um with Fishman I you know I went to NAMM and I experienced what Fishman was all about but I was also using their products for years in my live shows And I reached out to uh, Chris, who does a lot of the sales there, and I told him, you know, the project I was working on, and I, you know, the music, and so on and so forth. And I'm like, you know, your your product is my sound, and I I'd love to um to to build a relationship. And he was like, absolutely, and and that's how that happened. And uh, but also my friend John Johnny Nail, he had a relationship with them too. So um and and I sang on one of his songs called Hey I'm a Lady which was released a couple of years back, that has some really wonderful musicians on there, like Steve Ferroni, drummer, he's, he's a legend, and, um, and Tony Franklin and Peter Stroud, who's on t- who tours with um, Sheryl Crow. And, um, and so that also helped with the Fishman uh, relationship. And the Yamaha ambassadorship, I, I applied online. I was told by a friend of mine who also works for Yamaha to uh, try to introduce myself to their guitar sect. And I felt that that was a good way to do it. And to my disbelief, they chose me. And I've been having a very nice relationship with them. And in fact, after this um, conversation that we're having, I'm going to go visit the Yamaha department and say hello. But see, I love that you keep using the word relationship with all these companies because Fishman in particular, you said, you contacted them and said, this is who I am, this is what I'm using of yours, I would love to start a relationship because Mm -hmm. 
so many indie artists want to go to these companies with their hand out and say, I use your stuff. What can you do for me? And in your case, you just said, I'd love to start a relationship. Yeah. First of all, thank you for, for noticing that. And it's really the opposite. It's what can I do for your company? Like it, it's, well, it's a two-way street. It's what can I do for you? And you don't just walk up to a company and say, hey, sign me. You have to know their product and you got to have like your thing with it. And you go, hey, this is what I do. And you, you never force anything. You can't force any type of relationship, whether it's personal or business. And, um, and you always have to leave a nice taste in somebody's mouth. So, yeah, it's 100% a relationship. Yeah, and, and what you said to Fishman, you know, I think you said your sound is my product. Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me, it, you, couldn't, you couldn't be a marketing person and sit and try to write that any better because the way you have that worded is so impactful that I think if I'm Fishman, I'm listening to that and I'm going, wow, she gets it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's huge because I think it's that realization and taking it to the level that you're explaining of saying, like, yeah, what they do is a huge part of what I do. So without them, I couldn't do what I do to the extent that I do it. And so Absolutely. it's almost like you're saying, you know, like you said, what can I do for you? It's almost like you're saying, how can I thank you for what you mm -hmm. do for my sound? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm also really appreciative of uh, Yamaha as well. Um, you mentioned before that I broke my wrist earlier, and I've been very self-conscious with my playing since then because mm. they had to you know, cut me open and put a plate in there and screws and put the bones back together, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to play again. So um, I worked really hard, a lot of physical therapy, a lot of time. So it's been two years. Mm. And to have a guitar, uh, like a section of Yamaha that's focusing on guitars to choose me to play um, their guitars, it's like, wow, like all the hard work really paid off. So this is the part where I have to ask you, every once in a while I'll pull this out with a guest, but as I'm getting to meet you and I'm starting to hear some of the things you're saying, I wonder if you had to put in order singer, songwriter, or guitar player, what do you, what would you consider yourself first? What would you consider yourself second? And what would you consider yourself third out of those three things? I would consider myself singer first because that's what I started with. You know, uh, I, my brother told me when I was one and a half years old, I was on his lap on a plane and I was singing and the stewardess came up and she was like, oh my God, she's on pitch. <laughs> Songwriter opened up for me when I was 12 and I was playing more piano then. Uh. And then and then I played drums in elementary school, but I didn't continue. And then guitar later on. Okay. okay. So that's the order. So, you know, we talked before, you said that you will write some songs on piano, but do you play piano enough that, and I don't mean it like specifically just for this interview, but that I should be calling you singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, or is it like, no, I just kind of will monkey around with piano when I'm writing songs, because your live shows, do you play piano or no? Rarely do I incorporate the, the piano. Um, my keyboard is really big, and um, and it's it's a lot to, to bring around, so... To, Every now and then I'll do it. I'm more confident with guitar because I do it much more. But I have I've gone to uh, to studios and recorded on a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, grand pianos, and um, and that that's a nice experience because it's an energy that you get from these pianos. 
let's agree to call you a multi-instrumentalist yes. and not just a guitarist. <laughs> so I, I like that you started talking about the early years because I did want to go back in time a little bit. You, you began studying music and acting in elementary school. Mm-hmm. You were booking recording sessions at nine years old, yeah. writing songs at 12. So you mentioned your brother and one and a half years old, but, but just kind of like, you know, what did all that look like? Did you have a musical upbringing? Like, you know, who was your support system? Did, did you have formal lessons? Just describe that whole foundation for yes, us. Yes, my parents supported me in everything. Um, I, had, I had a childhood, which is, is very, very important to have. I went to school, and I had the entire childhood experience. But because they saw that, um, you know, kids aren't always so nice, uh, I didn't have as many friends as I probably would have loved to, and they saw that I was showing a lot of interest in music. My parents wanted me to always be happy, so they put everything that they could and found every connection they could mm. to get me involved in it, which was voice lessons to begin with, ah. then finding somebody who had a studio, and I recorded all these Broadway songs. And then when I started writing, they would find people who could produce my music whether I liked it or not is irrelevant it's the idea that it was being done and then um, for a period of time after high school I didn't know what I wanted to do because nothing was happening I didn't know how to how to do it I didn't know how to go into the Mm. world and say hey you know I'm a singer I wasn't playing guitar yet after high school it wasn't until I went into college that I was studying jazz commercial music with a concentration of songwriting composing Mm. at Five Towns College in Dix Hills, New York, that I started realizing that, you know, I want to play the guitar and I want to sit around people and play songs mm. and, and have a good time. And that's that's when the, the songwriter on the guitar was born. Like, that's when that type of writer was born. And so I cool. write very differently since I've been writing on the guitar. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Do those recordings of you as a little girl singing Broadway songs, do those recordings still exist somewhere? I still have them. Yeah, they're somewhere. Wow, wow. That's so cool. That's so cool. So your music has different sounds to it. What genre would you say it is? And and in that same vein, who do you consider to be your musical inspirations? There's a couple of different names to to explain my music. There's the general AAA. Uh, My music is alternative rock pop with uh, a tinge of R&B and and a little bit of folk, a little bit of country. Mm. A little bit of everything. It's like a gumbo. (laughs) I'm very... Well, I mean, I I grew up idolizing Barbara Streisand and Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. And I listened to so many different styles of music. I couldn't riff when I was younger because I had more of an operatic voice. Mm. And... I started listening to a lot of gospel. That, that's where the Christina Aguilera, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston came in. And, and I would try to mimic them. And it took a long time to do that. Um, so I would, I would generalize. It. It's, it's just it's alternative rock pop with a twist. You know, uh, I also, uh, people like to compare me a lot to Alison Krauss, Jewel, Alanis Morissette, um, I like to say to people, my music is like if John Mayer had a baby with Joni Mitchell, but Alanis Morissette was the nanny. <laughs> you know? You mentioned about the way that your songwriting has changed. 
your first album titled Ordinary Girl was released in 2013. Mm -hmm. So now looking back here in the year 2022, what lessons did you learn from that experience that helped you perhaps grow over the years as an indie musician or that maybe you put into play when even putting together this most recent EP? That's so funny that you ask that. When I look back at that record, for, for the last couple of years, when, when I think of that record in comparison to the recent one, the, the recent EP, I always would tell people, oh, don't listen to Ordinary Girl. It's so poorly done, and it's too raw, and it doesn't represent really who I am. And, and at the end of the day, that's not true. That was where I was then. I went into an analog studio, and I recorded things, just vocals and guitar. Nothing else was done. Mm. Nothing was twitched. Uh, I did a couple of things using my, and I'm very serious when I'm saying this, I had my, one of the first iPhones ever made. I used the microphone to record almost everything, including my voice and instruments. Wow. And then I would send it over to my laptop and use Audacity, which is a free <laughs> software, and produce things and use some sample for percussion. And I was my own producer and engineer. And I would record that stuff. And clearly the quality is not uh, up to par of, of, of what you would consider pr professional sure, today. Sure. But I wanted to just release anything mm. because I just needed to get something out there. And I'm so happy that I did because that led to other things. And, um, and the EP that I released in 2020 and then again in 2021, I'm so proud of that body of work. I really am. I... I Bless, I, I bless my lucky stars, and I thank um, my producer, Josh Dion. Almost every time I see him, I say things to him like, thank you for working with me. You are the best thing that, ha that has happened in my career. Mm -hmm. like, because I mean it, and it's true. And I'm still working with him. We're working on a, on a whole big project together. Mm -hmm. um, also, Teddy Kumpel, whom I mentioned before, he produced a couple of songs as well. Well, let me blow your horn for you a little bit here. You've played at some legendary venues, and I am going to lead up to a question here, but I want the audience to hear some of these mm -hmm. wonderful things that you've done. You've played at some legendary venues, including Rockwood Music Hall, The Bitter End. You had a private audition for The Voice. You're playing here at the NAMM show. Pre-pandemic, you were playing 8 to 10 shows a week, and based on the shows page of your website, it looks like you're getting back to that pace. You have traveled quite a bit. Uh, around not only the Long Island area, but you've even gone to places like Maryland, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and, and more than that. So talk about playing not only those storied venues that I mentioned, but you know, talk about how you're able to be staying so busy. I mean, coming out of the pandemic, a lot of artists were scrambling for shows, and it seems like you have absolutely more than hit the ground running. Oh, wow. That, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Rockwood Music Hall is an awesome place to perform at. I mean, you had people like Lady Gaga performing there before she, she you know, became the, the legend that she is. Um, you've had a lot of really unbelievable artists performing there and still performing there. And I'm really happy that I was able to perform in places like that. And, um, and regarding the voice, yes, yeah, somebody saw me perform somewhere and they were like, I have a connection to get you a VIP audition. And I was like, really? And the ne next thing I know, they, they invite me. I didn't get through, and that's okay. No worries. It's an experience. And um, I'm really I'm really grateful and, and lucky to have all these shows. On the other hand, behind the scenes, it's, it's a hustle. You have to want this. I, let me rephrase it. 
I was talking to you about obsession. When I hear a song, if it's playing in my head all the time, I'm literally obsessed with anything to do with music. And of course I take breaks, but I have to perform as much as I can. I love it, and that's practice for me. Different types of audiences. I have all these new songs. I want to try them out in front of people. You also make an income. You make a living doing that as well. You're, you're getting everything that you want from your performances, and that's literally my whole life. I would rather do that than socialize. I would rather do that than, you know, anything else. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, so it's that eat, sleep. Th- that's, <laughs> that's my life. And it's a sacrifice, too. It really is. Sure, sure. Because there are, there are things that I do miss out on with family events mm. and, and maybe personal things that I could have had in my life that I, I don't have yet. But um, I, I just, I, I can't see myself doing anything else other than this. And also by performing so much, and, and I'm grateful for it, it keeps you out of your head. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're busy. You're doing what you love. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And folks, you just heard Karen talking about Rockwood Music Hall, and Blake Morgan has been on this show before, and he has had a residency at Rockwood Music Hall. So I'm going to put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net so you can go back and listen to me talking to Blake and him talking about his residency at Rockwood. In the meantime, Karen, there's something that you talked about that I want to see how much you're willing to pull back the curtain and elaborate on for us because I wanted to ask, you know, like what you're working on presently, like what the future holds for you. And it sounds like you've got some big project brewing that I don't know how comfortable you are disclosing any details yet of what that might be. Oh, I have no problem (laughs) disclosing anything. Well, maybe some things, but you know. Um, so I am currently, uh, as I mentioned earlier, working on a new project. And the way that I'm um, approaching it is every song that I want to record, I'm throwing it into the studio. And whatever gets done, gets done. Whatever is has the magic in it is going to be the songs chosen for the next re- record, which I haven't decided if it's going to be an EP or a full album, and whatever we record that doesn't have that sound of where what I want, like it doesn't have that oomph, then we're just not going to choose it, and we can put it aside for another time. But right now, I'm working with um, with my uh, with dear friend and producer Josh Dion, and we're working on a whole bunch of songs right now, piano songs and. Um, and guitar songs. And we're also trying different things. We want to try to do some songs staying away from the guitar and to give mm. it more of a synthy vibe. And with Teddy, uh, we worked on like two really great songs. One was started during the pandemic and I recorded some stuff at home and I sent it to him and he sent me some ideas back and it was like, wow. Like, and it, it, it was a very different way of me writing because I used a different tuning on the guitar. Wow. And I wrote the song as I was recording it. So that was a very new experience for me. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm really happy with how things are going. We are taking our time with it because my schedule is uh, thankfully busy. Um, Josh's schedule is busy. Teddy's schedule is busy. But I got uh, mostly everything done with Teddy thus far. So I'm curious, how do you decide this is going to be an EP or this is going to be a full album because I feel like artists put so much pressure on themselves to get something out and get something out quickly that it 
seems to trend towards, well, I'm just going to release singles. But at some point, you do have to look at, well, we have so much here. Which ones do I really feel strongly about that I'd be thrilled to release? And then the timing of it all. And, and do I want to do an EP or do I want to do a whole album? What goes into that decision-making process for you? Uh, the honest answer is I don't know. I think everything is your gut feeling. And um, and right now I'm just in the recording stage. And let's just record as much as we can. And if a song is just not feeling right or doesn't feel like it fits the like a, the current project that we're doing, we put it aside. I'm sure that I'll figure out all the answers on my own and as well as with um, the people I'm working with because I like making decisions with other people. Um, I've learned that when you do things all by yourself, you can really hold yourself back. Mm. And um, I'm also understanding today it's less about the full album and it's more about the singles. But I really love the concept of having a, a real actual album. Yeah, yeah. When you say a real actual album, do you mean the number of songs or do you mean a physical unit, whether it's Both. vinyl or CD? Both. Wow, wow. Like to have a collection of songs that's like 12 songs, 17 songs, whatever yeah, amount. Yeah. Well, we're going to close today with another one of Karen's original songs, one called Indio. You started to hint at this one earlier. Before I let you go and I play that track, just share more with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. This is a fun song. It's about going into your car and taking a road trip out to Indio, California, and catching all the bands at all the festivals and having fun with um, some substances that are legal and, uh, and just having a great time and, and, and enjoying life and, and doing it while you still can. But so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Is this written from personal firsthand experience or is it this is kind of what I imagine it would be? It's the second one. It's what I want, what I imagine it to be. Okay. And I'll, I'll do it. Okay. I mean, I'm in California now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wonderful to meet you, Karen. Congratulations on all the tremendous success that you're having, and I appreciate you making time to be on Now Here This Entertainment. Thank you so much, Bruce. I appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Here This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, Karen Bella. Do be sure to visit her official website at karenbella.com. And again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. On her website, you will find links that will take you to Karen's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, as well as where to go to listen to, or better yet, purchase her music and where she will be playing live. As I mentioned before, lots of dates and cities on her upcoming show's calendar, so do be sure to check that out. Also, let Karen know that you heard her and her music and Now Hear This Entertainment That's going to do it for episode 437. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song by Karen Bella. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Indio. Indio.